Hey guys, it's Mark here from ETF Tracker and this is the ETF Tracker Show. In this Interviews with Experts episode, we've got a very special guest. It's Martin Din from the ASX. He's a senior product manager in the investment products team and they're the area that takes care of ETFs here in the Australian market. So the other part is that they produce so they do the listings, they take care of that whole kind of process, but they also produce the data. And that's one of the key ingredients that I need for the ETF tracker app. So all the statistics and cool stuff that I come out with each month, uh, a lot of that has to, you know, I have to thank these guys for that information. So we go through that, we go through the growth of uh, the ETFs in the Australian market over the last couple of years. We go over a couple of thematics and yeah, there's a lot of that and more in the show. So check it out. So welcome, Martin. Um, thanks very much for being here for the ETF Tracker Show and these uh, interviews with experts. Thanks, Mark. Yeah, it's uh, awesome to be here with you, mate. Perfect. Um, I don't know if uh, all the, the listeners know this, but I used to work at the ASX and Marty and I, we, we used to work together in different teams, of course. Um, but yeah, I was always very fascinated by what you guys are doing over there in um, the investment products team. Yeah, mate, it's a it's a very interesting area. You know, it's growing. You know, uh, you know how much it's it's grown. You've looked at the numbers or the numbers that I produce, <laughs> yeah. and yeah, it's a pretty fascinating uh, area. You know, it's uh, we'll go into it, I'm sure, later. But you know, for me, uh, this area is you know, well, the ETF uh, structure in general. I think it's been probably one of the greatest financial innovations of all time, and you know, it's been awesome to be part of it. Oh, definitely, and I think you know we're we're seeing a lot of growth. We're here on you know, in it from the ground up. But before we get into it a little bit more, I always like to talk to um, the the interviewees uh, and get a little bit about the background. I'm sure there's many people that are fascinated about, you know, how you got started in financial markets and, you know, eventually working in ETFs. Could you give us a little bit about your background? Yeah, sure thing, Mark. Uh, so I started working uh, in the financial markets way back in February 2012. Uh, I started out in the customer service team at ASX. And funnily enough, it was my first job uh, straight out of university. And when I look at it in hindsight, um, the customer service role, it was a really good stepping stone into um, the ASX business because it gave me um, exposure to um, the entire ASX business and not just one business line. So whilst in my role in customer service, um, there was an opening in the investment products team. Um, and I thought this would be a pretty cool role to apply to because uh, I wanted to really broaden my product knowledge given investment products you know, like ETFs wasn't really an area that uh, I knew much about. In hindsight, it was probably one of the best decisions of my career. Uh, <laughs> given now, uh, you know, <laughs> I've, I've already made a comment that, you know, I think ETFs are probably one of the, be the greatest financial innovations of all, t uh, of all time, you know, given how much it has uh, democratized investing. I think initially when I started my role, it was really focused on helping fund managers uh, list product, but that's kind of evolved a lot over time. My role uh, now involves uh, publishing data around investment products, such as ETFs, which I know you love, Mark. <laughs> uh, producing that. educational. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, you do need it. Uh, it also involves uh, producing, you know, educational uh, podcasts, uh, content for ASX, like what you're doing, um, and also collaborating with uh, the industry to improve the investment product um, ecosystem. Uh, I guess really in summary, you know, I've worked in the investment mm. products team for nearly eight years and, um, you know, wow. constantly learning new things every day. It's crazy, right, Mark? Yeah. And in February, February 2022, Mark, uh, I don't know if you know this, but I'll be working, I would have worked at ASX for 10 years. Oh my God. Pretty gosh. sure I'm, I'll be, 
I'll be part of the furniture at the ASX. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's insane, right? Yeah, but that's pretty much my career in a summary. That That's really interesting because I didn't even know that you'd been there for, for that long. Like, I, I mean, when I started, I was there in um, early 2019 and was there for about a year and um, got to know various people uh, in, in different areas. I don't even know. I looked on your LinkedIn before all of this, you know, doing our homework um, and seeing that you'd been in, you know, different teams and jumped across to the investment products team. And, you know, it's just super fascinating. And you're right. Like it's been such a, um, a great kind of jump for you because ETFs, you know, they've grown so fast and we'll get to, to more of that. But yeah, I, I agree with you. Like, I'm so happy that I've been able to, get into doing the analysis on ETFs and to the viewers out there, if you look at ETF tracker, our data, it's from these guys right here. So <laughs> very thankful <laughs> for all of that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, speaking of the investment products team uh, over at the ASX, now they're responsible for ETFs and LICs and a couple of other kind of um, investment products, M funds and stuff as well. Um, have you guys felt the impact of, of the growth of, uh, you know, these ETF and exchange traded products, ETPs? Do you, when you were there before, um, is it busier now? Do you think than when you you first got started? What what's that growth kind of been like for you? Yeah, it's been crazy. That's probably the best word to summarize it. Um, <laughs> it's you know really just to give you a bit of context. Um, in my first three years in the team, um, and this is you know preparing for this podcast, looking at all the listings I've ever done, uh, we were averaging and. Uh, the, averaging about 16 ETF listings a year. Now, over the last five years, the investment products team, um, our average is now 23 ETF listings a year. And currently our, our pipeline is more busier than ever. And um, you know we're aiming to at least, at least another 10 ETFs before the end of the year. Um, and they're ranging across a broad range of um, investment strategies. Now, since I first started uh, way back in 2012, um, we've facilitated the listing of over 200 ETFs, which is an absolute phenomenal effort by the team. I think it's also important to mention that not only have the number of ETFs grown, but also the depth and breadth of ETFs, mm -hmm. uh, which unfortunately has meant that some of the more complex ETF launches have been taking two to four times longer to approve when compared to like a vanilla ETF. Right. Now, just to give you a bit of example, Mark, um, in my early years, um, we were mainly listing, you know, broad-based uh, index tracking, equity sector, and fixed income ETFs, and you know they could take about two to three months to approve. And since that time, we have listed ETFs across a broad range of, you know, investment strategies. You know, they include like thematics, factor base, hedge fund, and active uh, strategies. With many of these ETF launches, you know, they're taking between three to six months due to their complexity to approve. Wow. And some even taking longer, you know, up to 12 months. So, yeah, so even the breadth and depth um, of listings has um, has increased as well. And not just that, you know, beyond just helping fund managers list their ETFs, you know, we're constantly kept busy by, you know, trying to come up with initiatives to help improve and expand the ETF ecosystem. And, you know, some examples include, you know, establishing a framework to help fund managers bring their unlisted funds to ASX. Uh, also helping fund managers restructure uh, their products into an ETF, you know, such as from a lick or an unlisted fund to an ETF, um, into an ETF, excuse me. Mm -hmm. And also finally working with the regulator to help improve the ETF framework um, to open up uh, the ETF ecosystem and um, permit new um, asset classes. So yeah, uh, overall, you know, we've just had a crazy uh, busy few years, um, but 
you know, it's been awesome to see some of that uh, hard work uh, starting to pay off. Yeah, and I think it's just it's um, it's a long journey, and I think there's still so much more room for growth. But we wouldn't be where we are um, had you guys not done all of those steps many years ago. And when you did get started, you know, that couple of years ago when it was you know a, a smaller market, even half the size, and not not too long ago, it's grown so fast the last couple of years. But even back then, a couple of years ago, did the markets um, overall kind of need much convincing to get this kind of product going when you'd have these conversations with people in the market? Yeah, uh, you know, it's easy to forget, um, you know, everyone now knows what an ETF is, or yeah. at least more people um, that I know of, you know, friends and families, they know what it is. But I, th in, in my personal opinion, when I reflected on this question, I think the market needed a lot of convincing to get the uh, ETF market going. And I think it's really easy to forget that that ETF message wasn't really widely understood and appreciated um, as it is now. And really, you know, let's, I just think I'll just go through some of the numbers because um, I do the monthly sure. report. I love Please, the numbers. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, you, sp you mentioned before, you know, when I first started what, you know, how much fun it was. Mm. When I first started, ETFs were not popular at all. Um, they had about $5 billion in assets. Um, so I started in 2012. Wow. Um, there were only 59 ETFs available. And really, it only um, comprised of, broad-based index tracking equities sectors and fixed income ETFs. So the options were quite limited. Now, fast forward eight years later, there are now 220 ETFs available with the combined assets of $116 billion. So you can see that those numbers are pretty crazy, right? Um, going from something from, you know, not relatively unknown to finally, you know, having some material growth and having some recognition. Now, when we look at the product suite, it's just there's a, just such a diverse range of products that go beyond that index tracking investment strategies. You know, it includes you know your thematics such as cloud computing, video gaming, and cybersecurity, ESG focused strategies such as clean energy and socially responsible investing, active strategies and factor based strategies, just to name a few. And really, I think a lot of credit has to go out to the ETF industry in respect to their product development efforts. Hmm. And it's because of that, which has really captured the attention of investors and helped driven that ETF growth. And again, I'm giving you some numbers as well mm -hmm. uh, in terms of how successful that product, their product um, development efforts have been over the last five years is that I've found that the funds under management um, for ETFs that have launched over the last five years now represent over 35% of the funds under management of the entire ETF market, with 13 of those ETFs um, holding at least $1 billion in funds under management. So when I look at those numbers, it's yeah. pretty mind-blowing. And I also think um, a lot has, of work has done by the EDF, ETF industry to also improve the education and messaging um, of the benefits of ETFs. And I've also found that ETF providers are also allocating a lot more resources to distribution as I think back in the days, ETF providers were taking the approach of, you know, let's throw the fund into the market and hope investors uh, find it approach, which, you know, uh, I think they realized that that didn't work, right? Yeah. Um, and I think all of those factors, when you take it into totality, it's taken many years to get right. So I think overall, it, it is important to note that the ETFs, you know, it, it isn't an over, overnight success story. Mm -hmm. as much as we want it to be. Um, and it's, you know, we need to remember that a lot of work is done by the ETF industry to help get ETFs to where it is today.
It sounds like it's a bit of an iceberg. Yeah. You know, like where people see the top of the iceberg, but there's so much effort done in the past. Like, like you said, going back to 2012, I can't imagine, um, you know, doing stuff with the data necessarily, you know, back then when it was like a much smaller market. So yeah, fascinating to hear that. And I like that you mentioned the, you know, the, the education part from the ETF issuers, like we're interviewing a couple of issuers and that'll get released over the next couple of weeks, but all of them have so much content and insights and you're right, like the, um, the distribution teams, people talking about ETF uh, markets to the institutional clients and into retail traders. That's, it just seems like there's so much effort that they put. So it's, it's good to see this kind of growth. Now, you know, going back again, a couple of years ago, did you see, do, you know, when you were there at the time, could you foresee that the market would have grown to where we are now? Like, it's amazing that it's 116 um, billion and you know, it's so huge, but like, did you, did you think that it was going to get to that stage as fast as it kind of has? It's, it's really surprised me, to, to be honest, um, because it took a really long time before the ETF market um, got serious traction in Australia. Mm. And let, again, the easiest way to think about it is just to look at the numbers. You know, the ETF market, <laughs> it first launched back in 2001, right? Yep. And it took the ETF industry almost 20 years to get to $50 billion in assets. Um, and only two years since that time to reach over $100 billion in FUM. Yeah. And, and that's not just to mention that just over a year ago, right, Mark, we saw mm. a huge sell-off. Now, yeah. Yeah. again, when I think about it, though, um, I think, you know, that what factors have driven to, uh, what factors have driven ETF growth? And I think when I think about it, um, the ETF growth um, or the exponential growth of the ETF market doesn't surprise me as much. So firstly, I think, you know, the first driver is the growing adoption of ETFs by financial advisors. Um, I think that's mm -hmm. played a really, you know, important role in ETF growth. And, you know, in a report by AussieX, they found that um, I think uh, one in five financial advisors were trading ETFs in 2019. And then in 2021, it was like one in two. So you yeah, can wow. see how much that has grown, right? Um, but when you think about it, the growing adoption of ETFs by financial advisors, it just isn't that surprising, right? Because... What we've seen, and this is by by chance, is that uh, financial advisors, they're moving to a more independent operating model. And this is a, as a result of some major reforms in the financial services industry. And that's kind of allowed them to have greater freedom of investment choices for clients, including you know finally being able to integrate ETFs into their client portfolios. I think um, we've also seen... Um, financial advisors, you know, they've started to shift their focus on, on chasing out performance, um, you know, by, you know, picking winners and trying to time the market. And really they want, they've turned to using ETFs um, to focus uh, on, on asset allocation. Uh, secondly, I think, you know, the growing adoption of ETFs by young investors, um, that's probably another key that has um, driven the growth of ETFs, which again, I think about in hindsight, it's, you know, it's not that surprising. And when we looked at, uh, we actually did a survey back mm. in 2020, and we found that nearly half of investors age 18 to 24, um, they were planning to invest in ETFs over the next 12 months. And I believe that a lot of these younger investors are choosing to dip their toes into the markets for the first time through ETFs because they don't have the knowledge or time to dedicate towards trading and re researching thousands of stocks required to build a diversified portfolio you know they have better, uh, better things to do like paying yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, 
Exactly. And, uh, you know, younger investors are also interestingly using ETFs to try to profit from mega trends as well, such as, you know, AI, robotics, cloud computing, video games and esports, uh, and also investing in ETFs to better align with their values. And you also have to think, you know, what some of the macroeconomic factors such as low interest rates and higher property prices have probably also pushed younger investors to put uh, their savings um, into ETFs. I guess the final thing um, I'd say that has really driven the growth or adoption of ETFs is the rise of user-friendly trading apps, um, cheap yeah. brokerage, and the introduction of micro-investing. You know, it's made investing a lot more uh, accessible. And, you know, I think, you know, those those sort of factors have really played a key role in um, growing use of ETFs, which, again, I don't think is too surprising. Um, I guess, you know, just to really summarise uh, everything together, I think, yeah, yeah. you know, the rapid rise of the ETF market has been surprised you just need to look at the numbers but when you think about some of the factors that have driven the growth of etfs um you know that that kind of makes it a bit more easier to understand why the etf market has grown so quickly that, that's brilliant and you know it's really funny you must be psychic or something because um i i've had a few articles here on the side just opened up um some from the afr that talks about parts of the reasons for this growth and it was the rise of um you know wealth advisors talking about this kind of stuff and one of the first interviews we did for this uh series was with um a wealth advisor so check that out in episode one but um yeah the rest of it like the the millennial generation um looking at this versus property because it's been hard to get into property but they still want to grow their wealth and just various other factors so yeah um very very good i think we're on the same page um there and you mentioned some of the you know the thematics and etfs are a great vehicle for getting into those different themes which might be a bit harder i remember first time years ago in equities um, when i first got started hearing about etfs as a way to get into say fixed income because you know you can't just go and buy some bonds yourself as a retail trader it costs so much so <laughs> there's an etf for that but then definitely over the last couple of years this rise and you mentioned a few there like the you know the different thematics and cloud computing and robo and stuff and you actually did something recently on uh esports um and i thought that was quite interesting so you know a little segue you've got your own um podcast through the asx as well that i think viewers may not know about but can you tell us a bit more about the podcast and um can you say anything about that that um esports and you know what some of the other things are that you learned there yeah so i've been doing my own podcast with asx almost eight months now um funnily enough i remember we, we spoke about me launching the podcast uh i think it was probably early 2020 yeah um yeah and it's man it's been what 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 a journey it's been right um and also well done for you for launching your uh podcast i know how much works required to get one up and running and it's quite stressful but a lot of fun uh <laughs> so the idea uh so yeah. the podcast yeah respect huge respect yeah massive. Uh, so the pod so the podcasts that i started asx it's called the ideas exchange podcast um it focuses on how investors can integrate investment products you know such as etfs m funds licks and lits and areas into their portfolio and also look at, you know, some interesting investment ideas from industry experts. So if you're looking to, um, for another listen to another podcast um, about ETFs and other investment products, uh, just search up the Ideas Exchange podcast by ASX uh, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. It'll, it'll be in the show um, notes below. So, you know, people will definitely be seeing that. <laughs> Yeah, and when you mentioned about Espo, um, mm. that podcast I did just recently, and that was so much fun. Like, uh, Espo is, um, a, well, you know, for, for those who are not familiar with Espo, it's an ETF that invests in um, video games and esports companies. And 
it's really an investment idea that really resonates well with me, given I play a lot of year games and watch a lot of esports. <laughs> um, and also, you know, that industry is such a growing industry. And um, one of the things that Damon, he was the guy from Vanek um, that was on, mm-hmm. he said that this industry is bigger than the movie and music industry, you know, which that is absolutely phenomenal. And it really makes it a major industry in the entertainment industry. And I guess, you know, due to its size and growth, it becomes a pretty interesting um, uh, investment opportunity for investors. Yeah, um, I was surprised at some of the numbers that you guys were going through there. Like I, I knew uh, esports were popular. They've run their own kind of tournaments and events. And I'm sure that we would have seen maybe a lot, or maybe there's been more growth. I, I haven't looked at the numbers and I'm a numbers guy. So it's hard to say any statements without looking at the numbers. But 100 mil. Oh my goodness. Mil. They, uh, that, that product, yeah. It's only launched recently, which is, it would make it one of the fastest growing ETFs to reach 100 mil. So yeah, very impressive. That is crazy. That is really um, rapid kind of growth. And it just shows the popularity of a product like that. Like if I was to think about investing in, um, you know, a video gaming company, I'd be looking at the individual companies themselves and what exchanges are they on. But here you've got a homegrown um, way to trade it. If you're in Australia, just very easily, you can just buy Espo via one of the brokers that are out there. So that's really interesting. And just continuing on with that theme of um, the different types of thematics that are, are coming out there. Um, there's been talk a lot overseas, but also a little bit over here about a blockchain type ETF and there's pros and cons to, you know, um, people talking in the media about this, but, um, I guess you can't really say anything too much about, you know, if there's going to be one listed and, and whatnot, but we've seen in the papers that various companies have applied, um, but what are your thoughts on, you know, whether it's here or, or overseas as well, uh, this potential, there's, there's a lot of talk about, you know, blockchain and Bitcoin type ETFs. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think it's pretty interesting. Um, I think maybe I'll just turn to each, um, area separately, but, uh, are you talking about more about Bitcoin or, or blockchain? More, more Which about area Bitcoin. are you referring to? Probably the Bitcoin ones, because that's the Bitcoin one that has yeah. had a lot more filings overseas. So in one of the recent mm. newsletters that we had, there was a list from Bloomberg and it just showed so many different filings over the last couple of years, whether it's the Winkle Voss, Winkle Vi brothers yep. and, and all of these others mm. um, applying for um, Bitcoin type ETFs. Yeah, it's been wild. I think the SEC are 21, uh, which is pretty, <laughs> pretty absurd. It's pretty crazy. Uh, for me, you know, I personally, I love the idea of a local Bitcoin ETF coming to market. Um, you know, for our listeners uh, who may not know, mm. ASIC recently launched a consultation to help legitimize Bitcoin, um, along with other crypto assets uh, for funds and uh, retail investors. Yeah, and kind of ASIC's really us, um, uh, cryptocurrency stakeholders and, and other interested parties like the ASX to address the pros and cons of allowing ETFs to hold crypto assets. Um, they've asked us and other stakeholders to address issues in the crypto asset market, including whether crypto asset ETFs can meet existing expectations for ETFs, including whether crypto assets, you know, such as Bitcoin are a appropriate underlying asset to be wrapped into an ETF, whether crypto assets can be reliably priced. Um, and, you know, given that, you know, the, fra- the, Cryptocurrency market's quite fragmented. Um, you know, there's I think there's 43 uh, cryptocurrency exchanges, so there's no real central authority that consolidate all the prices. And finally, you know, how product issuers can ensure that you know their crypto asset or Bitcoin ETF can comply with ASIC's crypto um, ASIC framework. 
you know, including whether they have sufficient custody arrangement, risk management processes and procedures and disclosures. Um, I guess, you know, after ASIC's kind of reviewed all those submissions from the stakeholders, ASIC will then consider, you know, each and everyone's feedback and then issue a feedback report towards the end of um, 2021. Um, so although I can't really dwell into too much of uh, you sure. know, our responses and what sort of ETFs that we have in the pipeline that um, will hold Bitcoin due to confidentiality reasons, um, overall, you know, I, I am personally, I'm very supportive of a Bitcoin ETF. Um, you know, for me, one of the reasons why I'm supportive of a Bitcoin ETF is that it really, you know, it really simplifies the process of investing in Bitcoin. And the way you have to think about it is how do investors get access to Bitcoin right now? And they get access to Bitcoin or other crypto assets by signing up to a cryptocurrency exchange, um, which are generally either offshore not licensed by ASIC or operate with little or no, um, you know, oversight from a regulatory body. So, and then on top of that, investors are also responsible for keeping their own private keys safe by either storing their private keys in a secure place themselves and hopefully not losing it as some people have yeah. <laughs> in the newspaper yeah. uh, or entrusting this uh, with a cryptocurrency exchange, which may involve them buying a hardware wallet to protect their Bitcoin. Now with a Bitcoin ETF, investors don't need to worry about private keys, storage or security as this is all outsourced to the ETF provider and they've done the due diligence behind that. Um, a Bitcoin ETF would also allow investors to buy and sell cryptocurrencies more easily through their broker and also enable them to more smoothly integrate it into their portfolios, including also making it easier to rebalance given it will be all stored in the same place as their um, other ASX investments. Um, overall, I think there is still a lot of work to do before we get a Bitcoin ETF, but I feel we're kind of heading in the right direction and I'm a big two thumbs up for a Bitcoin ETF. Mate, that's that's massive. And we're seeing like a lot of positive news overseas. And I guess, you know, it's very, it's a global market now, ETFs and other kinds of investments. But, you know, over there, they're doing things like uh, Bitcoin futures um, as well. And hopefully that is a good sign for the SEC looking at that kind of stuff. And if there's mm. more of those applications, can help ensure um, what uh, I guess a lot of people are worried about, which is the volatility around Bitcoin. But um, yeah, that's that's massive and a lot of good um, insights there from that. Now, one of the other um, thematics that's really popular has been the whole ESG um, play. And it'd be good to get your insights on that. You know, the, there's a hydrogen, I think there's ETF securities announced this week um, in financial standard that there's a hydrogen um, kind of ETF that they're uh, bringing out to market. And there's all these other ones from beta shares, from e-invest and all these other providers of um, environmental and, and uh, you know, just these really um, sustainable kinds of ETFs that are out there. Do you see that kind of thing continuing to grow? What, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think uh, we'll continue to see product development in that space for sure. Um, and, and you just have to think about some of the driving factors of why, um, product issuers are developing products in that area. And, you know, there's just a lot of interest in the renewable energy space and with major economies targeting net zero emissions. And I don't know if you read recently, the UN recently issued a report outlining a code red for humanity, which is <laughs> a bit scary, yeah. you know, which basically means that some of the impacts of climate change are intensifying and irreversible. Um, so I think, you know, for those particular reasons, you know, we should see a lot of product development in that particular space because it's just an interesting area that is currently really resonating um, with investors, in particular millennials. And if you look at some of the listings, um, you know, it's uh, crunching some of the numbers. Over the last 20 uh, ETF listings, five of them 
have been ESG uh, listings. Wow. And interesting, you know, those five have, uh, ETFs have done really well. They've accumulated over $378 million over the last um, 12 months, which really shows that these products are, you know, they are resonating uh, well with investors. That's that's fantastic. I think that's going to be put into a quote that I'll put out on the ETF tracker um, Instagram <laughs> and, and attribute to you. But uh, look, th there's a lot of content and detail that we've gone through today. And I know we're just scratching the surface with all this kind of stuff. But um, we mentioned the podcast that you've got, and we'll definitely put that in the show notes there so that people can listen to that. You've got a back catalog now already, haven't you? You've, you've had a few of these. What, what episode are we up to now? Up to episode eight, yeah. So we've covered um, just so many topics. It's been it's been hard to keep up. And to be fair, to be fair, it's not even my uh, day to day job. Uh, yeah. It's extracurricular, but it's yeah. been awesome. You know, every episode I do, I learn so much. You know, we've already covered some of the stuff I've learned from the Espo um, episode. So yeah, it just it's it's been quite a journey, a lot of hard work, but yeah. it's been awesome to see. Um, you know, getting some good feedback on it. Even if um, even if people aren't necessarily interested in ETFs, I suggest that you just check out the episode because you guys go over some cool gamer topics as well. So I think that's, that's really cool. Um, so look, if people are interested as well in just like, uh, you know, looking at the, some of the content that you guys have, are you on LinkedIn? Can people follow you on LinkedIn? Yeah, for sure. Uh, if you're looking to get a bit more information or you want to reach out to me, feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn. You can use my LinkedIn handle, uh, Martin at ASX. I recently developed that for the nice. Ideas Exchange podcast. Or you can search for me, Martin uh, uh, Din uh, ASX uh, on LinkedIn. Perfect. Well, look, Martin, really appreciate your time. I know you're very busy with all of the, um, you know, the keeping up the markets kind of work. And not just that, but just as I said, guys, th this is the guy. This is the man here where I get the data from that I need for ETF trackers. So, you know, make sure that you show him some love and appreciation and check out the podcast and more. Um, Martin, thanks very much for your time. And we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Mark. Cheers. Well, that was an amazing set of insights there that I didn't even know about some of that data. That is, that is crazy. It just goes to show that there's always something new to learn, even when you look at the data as much as I do in the ETF market. So again, we thank the ASX and we thank Martin for his time. And if you're interested in more of this uh, kind of information, check out the show notes below for the Ideas Exchange podcast that Martin takes care of. They got some great guests there as well and a couple of other links to the stuff that they do over at the ASX. So check it out. Thanks for your time. I'm Mark. This is ETF Tracker. This is the ETF Tracker show. So make sure to like, share and subscribe. Happy investing.